Hello, hello kids. Hope you're well and enjoyed your first day of this week because it's a Monday, of course, and I hope it was a fabulous day for all of you, whether you're studying from home or whether you were listening uh, to wonderful lessons in school, whatever it was, I hope your day was fabulous. Today, I'm going to be reading to you a couple of stories by Astrid Lindgren, the beautiful, wonderful children's character she created called Pippi Longstocking. In Swedish, it was called Pippi Langstrump. Welcome back to another edition of the stories we tell with me, Ridula or Ruby as you know me, and my wonderful, amazing, incredible partner in crime, Annika Kohl. And one of the reasons I wanted to start off this series is because there is a character called Annika. So I can't wait to share this with you. Pippi Longstocking, the first English language edition appeared in 1950. This collection became incredibly popular because it talks about Pippi, who is a supremely independent and self-sufficient little girl and remains a classic of literature. Pippi is very original. She's a nine-year-old redhead with pigtails. Hello. That's like my Annika, a feisty little thing with pigtails that stick out sideways. Well, my Annika's pigtails don't stick out sideways. She's, she's recently cut her hair, but maybe you can do something like that that'll make you look like Pippi. Do you make my pigtails sideways? Yeah, I know, but like popping out the way it is in her pictures. And she lives all by herself in an old house. The old house is called Villa Villa Kula with her monkey, Mr. Nielsen, and her horse. Her mother unfortunately died when she was a baby. And, she's and her father is lost at sea, but he left her with a suitcase full of gold pieces. And she is cheerfully optimistic that he will return one day. The first chapter introduces the free-spirited Pippi and the two more <coughs> conventional children next door, Tommy and Annika. Each succeeding chapter describes a separate adventure. Pippi is the quote-unquote the strongest girl in the world and she deals with bullies by putting them into trees. Well done. Was it? Astrid. Is that what happened to her? Picked up. um, um, Astrid also fried up bullies. She based the story on herself. On herself? Well done, Astrid. Because she never wanted to be one of those girls, you know, oh, I'm a girl, I'm helpless. No way, you're a girl. You go, girl. Okay. You get in there and show them what you got. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Right. Um... So, when a pair of police officers arrived to take her to a children's home, she placed tag with them before carrying them out to the street, one in each hand. At a circus, Pippi joins the acts and defeats the circus strongman. When she's confronted with burglars, she requires them to dance with her and then she gives them each a gold piece. She often tells outrageous tall tales and she and Mr. Nilsson rescue boys from a fire when the fire department is unable to reach them. The final chapter describes Pippi's 10th birthday party. So I'm going to wrap up this entire series before my Annika's 10th birthday, which is in November. You have to 
which I'm sure will happen, isn't it? Pippi Longstocking began as stories that Lindgren told her young daughter when she was sick. Pippi's big-hearted generosity and utter irreverence endeared her to generations of children and her indomitability made her a feminist icon. Lindgren also wrote two sequels, Pippi Goes On Board in 1946 and Pippi in the South Seas. The books have been translated into scores of languages and it's also been adapted for television and film. So without further ado, we are going to start with the first chapter, Pippi Longstocking by Astrid Lindgren. And I am reading the translation by Florence Lamborn. The beloved story of a spunky young girl and her hilarious escapades. Tommy and his sister Annika have a new neighbour and her name is Pippi Longstocking. She has crazy red pigtails, no parents to tell her what to do, a horse that lives on her porch and a pet monkey named Mr Nielsen. Whether Pippi is scrubbing her floors, doing arithmetic or stirring things up at a fancy tea party, her flair for the outrageous always seems to lead to another adventure. Chapter 1. Pippi moves into Villa Villacula. Way out at the end of a tiny little town was an old overgrown garden and in the garden was an old house and in the house lived Pippi Longstocking. She was nine years old and she lived there all alone. She had no mother and no father and that was of course very nice because there was no one to tell her to go to bed just when she was having the most fun and no one who could make her take cod liver oil when she much preferred caramel candy. Once, Cod liver oil is um, a type of oil, literally the oil from a cod, which is a fish. Yeah, very nutritious. Once upon a time, yeah, and that was supposed to be taken like a supplement to keep people healthy. Once upon a time, Pippi had had a father of whom she was extremely fond. Naturally, she had had a mother too, but that was so long ago that Pippi didn't remember her at all. Her mother had died when Pippi was just a tiny baby and lay in a cradle and howled so that no one could go anywhere near her. Pippi was sure that her mother was now up in heaven, watching her little girl through a peephole in the sky and Pippi often waved up at her and called, Don't you worry about me, I'll always come out on top. Pippi had not forgotten her father. He was a sea captain who sailed on the great ocean and Pippi had sailed with him in his ship until one day her father was blown overboard in a storm and disappeared. But Pippi was absolutely certain that he would come back. She would never believe that he had drowned. She was sure he had floated until he'd landed on an island inhabited by cannibals. And she thought he had become the king of all the cannibals and went around with a golden crown on his head all day long. My papa is a cannibal king. It certainly isn't every child who has such a stylish papa, Pippi used to say with satisfaction. And as soon as my papa has built himself a boat, he will come and get me and I'll be a cannibal princess. Hey ho, won't that be exciting? Her father had 
bought the old house in the garden many years ago. He thought he would live there with Pippi when he grew old. So long boys, she said, and kissed each one on the forehead. Don't you worry about me. I'll always come out on top. Two things she took from the ship. A little monkey, whose name was Mr. Nielsen, he was a present from her father, and a big suitcase full of gold pieces. The sailors stood, stood upon the deck and watched as long as they could see her. She walked straight ahead without looking back at all, with Mr. Nielsen on her shoulder and her suitcase in her hand. A remarkable child, said one of the sailors as Pippi disappeared into the distance. He was right. Pippi was indeed a remarkable child. The most remarkable thing about her was that she was so strong. She was so very strong that in the whole wide world there was not a single police officer as strong as she. Why, she could lift a whole horse if she wanted to. And she wanted to. She had a horse of her own that she had bought with one of her many gold pieces the day she came to Villa Villa Coola. She had always longed for a horse and now here he was living on the porch when Pippi wanted to drink her afternoon coffee there. She simply lifted him down into the garden. Beside Villa Villa Coola was another garden and another house. In that house lived a father and mother and two charming children, a boy and a girl. The boy's name was Tommy and the girl's Annika. They were good, well brought up and obedient children. Tommy would never even think of biting his nails and he always did exactly what his mother told him to do. Annika never fussed when she didn't get her own way and she always looked pretty in her little well-ironed cotton dresses. She took the greatest care to not get them dirty. Tommy and Annika played nicely with each other in their garden, but they had often wished for a playmate. On one lovely summer evening, when Pippi for the first time stepped over the threshold of Villa Villa Coola, Tommy and Annika were not at home. They had gone to visit their grandmother for a week, and so they had no idea that anybody had moved into the house next door. On the first day after they came back home, they stood by the gate looking out onto the street and even then they didn't know that there actually was a playmate so near. Just as they were standing there considering what they should do and wondering whether anything exciting was likely to happen or whether it was going to be one of those dull days when they couldn't think of anything to play, just then the gate of Villa Villa Coola opened and a little girl stepped out. She was the most remarkable girl Tommy and Annika had ever seen. She was Pippi, she, she was Miss Pippi Longstocking out for her morning promenade. This is the way she looked. Her hair, the colour of a carrot, was braided in two tight braids that stuck straight out. Her nose was the shape of a very small potato and was dotted all over with freckles. It must be admitted that the mouth under this nose was a very wide one with strong white teeth. Her dress was rather unusual. Pippi herself had made it. 
She had meant it to be blue, but there wasn't quite enough blue cloth, so Pippi had sewed little red pieces on it here and there. On her long, thin legs, she wore a pair of long stockings, one brown and the other black, and she had on a pair of black shoes that were exactly twice as long as her feet. These shoes her father had bought for her in South America, so that Pippi would have something to grow into and she never wanted to wear any others. But the thing that made Tommy and Annika open their eyes widest of all was the monkey sitting on the strange girl's shoulder. It was a little monkey dressed in blue pants, yellow jacket and a white straw hat. Pippi walked along the street with one foot on the sidewalk and the other in the gutter. Tommy and Annika watched as long as they could see her. In a little while she came back and now she was walking backwards. That was because she didn't want to turn around to get home. <laughs> She's funny. When she reached Tommy's and Annika's gate, she stopped. The children looked at each other in silence. At last Tommy spoke. Why did you walk backward? Why did I walk backward? said Pippi. Isn't this a free country? Can't a person walk any way she wants to? For that matter, let me tell you that in Egypt everybody walks that way and nobody thinks it's the least bit strange. How do you know? asked Tommy. You've never been to Egypt, have you? I've never been in Egypt. Indeed I have. That's one thing you can be sure of. I have been all over the world and seen many things stranger than people walking backward. I wonder what you would have said if I had come along walking on my hands the way they do in farthest India. Now you must be lying, said Tommy. Pippi thought a moment. Uh, you're right, she said sadly. I am lying. Cheeky <laughs> monkey. People in India are walking on their hands. It's wicked to lie, said Annika, who had at last gathered up enough courage to speak. Yes, yes, it's very wicked to lie, said Pippi, even more sadly. But I forget it now and then. And how can you expect a little child whose mother is an angel and whose father is king of a cannibal island and who herself has sailed on the ocean all her life, how can you expect her to tell the truth always? And for that matter, she continued, her whole freckled face lighting up, let me tell you that in the Congo there is not a single person who tells the truth. They lie all day long. They begin at 7 in the morning and keep on going until sundown. Annika, <laughs> she's amazing. She comes up with random things. Huh? <laughs> okay, sweetie. What's happening? Is it hot? Alright. You, you have to... Alright. Okay, you can you start closing your eyes, my lovely? So... If I should happen to lie now and then, you must try to excuse me and to remember that it is only because I stayed in the Congo a little bit too long. We can be friends anyway, can't we? Uh, oh sure, said Tommy and realised suddenly that this was not going to be one of those dull days. By the way, why couldn't you come and have breakfast with me? asked Pippi. Why not? said Tommy. Come on, let's go. Oh yes, let's, said Annika. But first, I must introduce you to Mr. Nilsson, said Pippi. And the little monkey took off his cap and bowed politely. 
and then they all went in through Villa Villa Kula's tumble-down garden gate along the gravel path bordered with old moss-covered trees really good climbing trees they seemed to be up to the house and onto the porch there stood the horse munching oats out of a soup bowl why do you have a horse on the porch asked Tommy all horses he knew lived in stables well said Pippi thoughtfully he'd be in the way if he was in the kitchen and he doesn't like the barner Tommy and Annika patted the horse and then went on into the house it had a kitchen a parlor and a bedroom but it certainly looked as if Pippi had forgotten to do her friday cleaning that week Tommy and Annika looked around cautiously just in case the king of the cannibal isles might be sitting in a corner somewhere they had never seen a cannibal king in all their lives but there was no father to be seen nor any mother either Annika said anxiously um do you live here all alone of course not said Pippi Mr Nilsson and the horse live here too uh, no yes but i mean don't you have any mother or father here no not the least little tiny bit of one said pippi happily but then who tells you when to go to bed at night and and things like that asked anika i tell myself said pippi first i tell myself in a nice friendly way and then if i don't mind i tell myself again more sharply and then if i still don't mind then i'm in for a spanking you see Tommy and Annika didn't see at all but they thought maybe it was a good way meanwhile they had come out into the kitchen and Pippi cried now we're going to make a pancake now there's going to be a pancake now we're going to fry a pancake they took three eggs and threw them up in the air one fell down on her head and broke so that uh, no it just i know but it i had when i when i read that it kind of automatically happened mm-hmm. one fell down on her head and broke so the yolk ran down her eyes but the others she caught skillfully in a bowl where they smashed to pieces a little bit like what happened outside with that lovely mug mm-hmm. i always did hear that egg yolk was good for the hair said pippi wiping her eyes that's true and it got very good for the hair when i was young then nani used to give me that to put in my hair it would be silky i would stink like a eggy but <laughs> it was okay. but my hair was beautiful and shiny and i smelled like an eggy <laughs> you wait and see mine will begin to grow so fast it will crackle as a matter of fact as a matter of fact in brazil all the people go about with eggs in their hair she has a random thing for everything for every country and there are no bald-headed people only once there was a man who was so foolish that he ate his eggs instead of rubbing them on his hair he became completely bald wow so people are bald because they didn't eat put eggs on their hair and when he showed himself on the street there was such a riot that the police was called out while she was speaking pippi had neatly picked the egg shells out of the bowl with her fingers now she took a bath brush that hung on the wall and began to beat the pancake batter so hard that it splashed all over the walls at last she poured what was left onto a griddle that stood on the stove when the pancake was brown on one side she tossed it halfway up to the ceiling so that it turned right around in the air and then she caught it on the griddle again and when it was ready she threw it straight across the kitchen right onto the plate that stood on the table eat she cried eat before it gets cold 
and Tommy and Annika ate and thought it a very good pancake. Suppose you go home now, said Pippi, so that you can come back tomorrow, because if you don't go home, you can't come back and that would be a shame. Tommy and Annika agreed that it would be indeed. So they went home past the horse who had now eaten up all the oats and out through the gate of Villa Villa Coola. Mr. Nilsson waved his hat at them as they left. That's the end of chapter one. She is a feisty little thing, isn't she? Comes up with all kinds of stories and she has no care for anything in the world. What a brave little girl. Chapter two. Pippi is a thing finder and gets into a fight. Tommy and Annika woke up early the next morning. Annika jumped out of bed and ran over to Tommy. Wake up, Tommy, she cried, pulling him by the arm. Wake up and let's go and see that funny girl with the big shoes. Tommy was wide awake in an instant. I knew, even while I was sleeping, that something exciting was going to happen today, but I didn't remember what it was, he said, and he yanked off his pyjama jacket. Off they went to the bathroom, washed themselves and brushed their teeth much faster than usual, had their clothes on in a twinkling, and a whole hour before their mother expected them, came sliding down the banister and landed at the breakfast table. What's going to happen today that you're in such a hurry, asked their mother. We're going to see the new girl next door, said Tommy. We may stay all day, said Annika. That morning, Pippi was busy cooking pepar kakora, kind of Swedish cookie. She had made an enormous amount of dough and rolled it out on the kitchen floor. Oh, my goodness, Pippi. Because, said Pippi to her little monkey, what earthly use is a baking board when one plans to make at least 500 cookies? 500 cookies! And there she lay on the floor, cutting out cookie hearts for dear life. Stop climbing around in the dough, Mr. Nielsen, she said crossly, just as the doorbell rang. Pippi ran and opened the door. She was white as a miller from top to toe and when she shook hands heartily with Tommy and Annika, a whole cloud of flour blew over them. So nice you called, she said and shook her apron so there came another cloud of flour. Tommy and Annika got so much in their throats (coughs) they couldn't help coughing. What are you doing? asked Tommy. Well, If I say that I'm sweeping the chimney, you won't believe me. You're so clever, said Pippi. Fact is, I'm baking, but I'll soon be done. You can sit on the wood box for a while. Pippi could work fast. She could. Tommy and Annika sat and watched how she went through the dough, how she threw the cookies onto the cookie pans and swung the pans into the oven. They thought it was as good as a circus. Done, said Pippi at last, and shut the oven door on the last pans with a bang. What are we going to do now? asked Tommy. I don't know what you're going to do, said Pippi, but I know I can't lie around and be lazy. I'm a thing finder, and when you're a thing finder, you don't have a minute to spare. What did you say you are? asked Annika. A thing finder. What's that? asked Tommy. Somebody who hunts for things, naturally. What else could it be? asked Pippi as she swept all the flour left on the floor into a little pile. The whole world is full of things and somebody has to look for them and that's just what a thing finder does, she finished. What kind of things? asked Annika. Oh, all kinds, said Pippi. Lumps of gold, ostrich feathers, dead rats, 
candy snap crackers, little tiny screws and things like that, you know. Tommy and Annika thought it sounded as if it would be fun and wanted very much to be thing finders too, although Tommy did say he hoped... I I'm a thing finder, not a thinker. Er. You're. 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 But we've got but we've got to hurry up and get going so that other thing finders don't pick up all the lumps of gold around here before we get them. All three thing finders now set out. They decided that it would be best to begin hunting around the houses in the neighborhood because Pippi said that although it could perfectly well happen that one might find a little screw deep in the woods, still the very best things were usually found where people were living. Though, for that matter, she said, I've seen it the other way round too. I remember once when I was out hunting for things in the jungles of Borneo. Right in the heart of the forest, where no human being had ever set foot, what do you suppose I found? Why, a very fine wooden leg. I gave it away later to a one-legged old man, and he said that a wooden leg like that wasn't to be had for love or money. Tommy and Annika looked at Bibby to see just how a thing finder acted. Pippi ran from one side of the road to the other, shaded her eyes with her hand and hunted and hunted. Sometimes she crawled about on her hands and knees, stuck her hands in between the pickets of a fence and then said in a disappointed tone, Oh dear, I was sure I saw a lump of gold. May we really take everything we find? asked Annika. Yes, everything that's lying on the ground, said Pippi. Presently, they came to an old man lying asleep on the lawn outside his cottage. There, said Pippi, that man is lying on the ground and we have found him. We'll take him. Tommy and Annika were utterly horrified. No, no, Pippi, we can't take an old gentleman. We couldn't possibly, said Tommy. Anyway, whatever could we do with him? What would we do with him? Oh, there are plenty of things we would do with him. We could keep him in a little rabbit hutch instead of a rabbit and feed him on dandelions. But if you don't want to, I don't care. Though it does bother me to think that some other thing finder may come along and grab him. They went on. Suddenly, Pippi gave a terrific yell. Well, I never saw the like, she cried as she picked up a large rusty old tin can from the grass. What a find! What a find! That's something you can never have too many of. Tommy looked at the can doubtfully. What can you use it for? Oh, you can use it in all sorts of ways, said Pippi. One way is to put cookies in it. Then it becomes a delightful jar with cookies. Another way is not to put cookies in them. Then it becomes a delightful jar without cookies. Wow. That certainly isn't quite so delightful, but still, that's good too. She examined the can, which was indeed rusty and had a hole in the bottom. It looks almost as if this were a jar without cookies. But you can put it over your head and pretend that it's midnight. And that is just what she did. With the can on her head, she wandered around the block like a little metal tower and never stopped until she stumbled over a low wire fence and fell flat on her stomach. There was a big crash when the tin can hit the ground. Now see that, 
said Pippi and took off the can. If I hadn't had this thing on me, I'd have fallen flat on my face and hurt myself terribly. Yes, said Annika, but if you hadn't had the can on your head, then you wouldn't have tripped on the wire fence in the first place. Before she'd finished speaking, there was another triumphant cry from Pippi, who was holding up an empty spool of thread. This seems to be my lucky day, she said. However, just at that moment, the gate of one of the cottages nearby opened and a boy came rushing out. He looked scared and that was no wonder because head over heels after him came five other boys. They soon caught him and pushed him against the fence and all five began to punch and hit him. He cried and held his arms in front of his face to protect him. Give it to him! Give it to him! cried the oldest and strongest so that he'll never dare to show his face on the street again. Oh, said Annika, it's Willie they're hurting. Oh, how can they be so mean? Oh, it's that awful Bengt. He's always in a fight, said Tommy. And five against one, what cowards! Pippi went up to the boys and tapped Bengt on the back with her forefinger. Hello there, she said. What's the idea? Are you trying to make hash out of little Willie with all five of you jumping on him at once? Bengt turned around and saw a little girl he had never seen before, a wild-looking little stranger who dared to touch him. For a while he stood and gaped at her in astonishment. Then a broad grin spread over his face. Boys, (laughs) he said, boys, let Willie alone and take a look at this girl. What a babe. He slapped his knees and laughed, (laughs) and in an instant they had all flocked around Pippi, all except Willie, who wiped away his tears and walked cautiously over to stand beside Tommy. Have you ever seen hair like hers? Red as fire, and such shoes, Bengt continued. Can't I borrow one? I'd like to go out rowing, (laughs) and I haven't any boat. He took hold of one of Pippi's braids, but dropped it instantly and cried, Ouch! I burnt myself! Then all five boys joined hands around Pippi, jumping up and down and screaming, Redhead, 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 redhead! Pippi stood in the middle of the ring and smiled in the friendliest way. Bengt had hoped she would get mad and begin to cry. At least she ought to have looked scared. When nothing happened, he gave her a push. I don't think you have a very nice way with ladies, said Pippi, and she lifted him in her strong arms high in the air and carried him to a birch tree and hung him over a branch. Way to go, Pippi! Then she took the next boy and hung him over another branch. The next one she set on a gatepost outside a cottage, and the next she threw right over a fence so that he landed in a flower bed. The last of the fighters, she put in a tiny toy cart that stood by by the road. Then Pippi, Tommy, Annika and Willie stood and looked at the boys for a while. The boys were absolutely speechless with fright. And Pippi said, you're cowards. Five of you attacking one boy? That's cowardly. Then you begin to push a helpless little girl around? Oh, how mean! Come on now, we'll go home, she said to Tommy and Annika. 
and to Willie, if they try to hurt you again, you come and tell me. And to Bengt, who sat up in the tree and didn't dare to stir, she said, Is there anything else you have to say about my hair or my shoes? If so, you'd better say it now before I go home. But Bengt had nothing to say about Pippi's shoes or hair or anything. So Pippi took her can in one hand and her spool in the other and went away, followed by Tommy and Annika. When they were back home in Pippi's garden, Pippi said, Dear me, how awful! Here I was, found two beautiful things and you didn't get anything. You must hunt a little more. Tommy, why don't you look in that old hollow tree? Old trees are usually about the best places for all thing finders. Tommy said that he didn't believe he and Annika would ever find anything, but to please Pippi, he put his hand slowly into the tree trunk. Goodness! he cried, utterly amazed, and pulled out his hand. In it, he held a little notebook with a leather cover. In a special loop, there was a little silver pencil. Well, that's queer, said Tommy. Now, see that, said Pippi. There's nothing so nice as being a thing finder. It's a wonder there aren't any people to take it out. There'll be tailors and shoemakers and chimney sweeps and such like, but thing finders? No, indeed. That isn't good enough for them. And then she said to Annika, Why don't you feel in that old tree stump? One practically always finds things in old tree stumps. Annika stuck her hand down in the stump and almost immediately got hold of a red coral necklace. She and Tommy stood open-mouthed for a long time. They were so astonished. They thought that hereafter they would be thing finders every single day. Pippi had been up half the night before playing ball and now she suddenly felt really sleepy. I think I'll have to go and take, take a nap, she said. Can't you come with me and tuck me in? When Pippi was sitting on the edge of the bed taking off her shoes, she looked at them thoughtfully and said, He was going out rowing, he said, that old Bengt. She snorted disdainfully. I'll teach him to row, indeed I will, another time. Say, Pippi, said Tommy respectfully, why do you wear such big shoes? So I can wiggle my toes, of course, she answered. Then she crept into bed. She always slept with her feet on the pillow <laughs> and her head way down under the quilt. That's the way they sleep in Guatemala, she announced. And it's the only real way to sleep. See, like this. I can wiggle my toes when I'm sleeping too. Can you go to sleep without a lullaby? She went on. I always have to sing to myself for a while, otherwise I can't sleep a wink. Tommy and Annika heard a humming sound under the quilt. It was Pippi singing herself to sleep. Oh, bless her. Quietly and cautiously they tiptoed out so they wouldn't disturb her. In the doorway they turned to take a last look towards the bed. They could see nothing of Pippi except her feet resting on the pillow. There she lay, wiggling her toes emphatically. Tommy and Annika ran home. Annika held her coral necklace tightly in her hand. That certainly was strange, she said. Tommy, you don't suppose, do you, that Pippi had put these things in place beforehand? You can never tell, said Tommy. You just never can tell anything.
when it comes to Pippi. And that's the end of chapter two. What a feisty, brave and wonderful girl. And how, how innocent too. She's, she, she needed to sleep and she sang herself lullabies. And she put her, her toes on her pillow so she could wiggle her toes. What a lovely story, boys and girls. I hope you're well and truly sleepy. It's very, very late, actually. I didn't realize it would take us so much time reading it, but it was so much fun. I hope you all have enjoyed it. And I hope you sleep tight. And don't let the bullies trouble you. Okay? Stand up. Be like Pippi. And always remember, it's great absolutely great to not be what everybody expects you to be just because you're a girl doesn't mean that people think you you can't be strong or you can't be outlandish and wear these funny boots and funny clothes you can do and be whatever and whoever you want it's your choice and never forget that on that note good night boys and girls and sleep tight. Toodles!